Welcome to the Coach's Plan podcast, Plan to Coach with Coach New Brunswick, a podcast for coaches by coaches, brought to you in part by the National Coaching Certification Program and the Coaches Association of Canada. Woo-hoo. That only took me three tries yeah. to say. <laughs> we finally got it, though, so it's we okay. We finally got it. I'm Ashley Milani, your host, the manager of coaching education with Coach NB and Coach uh, Extraordinaire. I'm Colin Daigle. I'm the special events coordinator at Coach NB. And we have a guest. We have our guest today. It's so exciting. Hi, everybody. My name is Taylor Devlin, and I am the physical literacy consultant with NB Physical Literacy. Woo-hoo. Welcome, Taylor. Welcome. Thank you. Fun fact, Taylor is also from Winnipeg, uh, and she graduated a year before me out of the KIN program uh, at the University of Manitoba. It's true. Um, and I did not know who she was when she first moved here. No, it was a really fun introduction. <laughs> yeah, which is so weird because it's not a big faculty. Like, there's 60 of us that graduate from KIN. Like, yeah, that it's was small. weird. The weirdest part is we found out we knew a ton of people in common. It wasn't even that we ran in super different circles. Yeah, everyone time. was just, do you know this girl? I was like, no, and I Facebook creeped you. And we have a whole bunch of mutual friends. Should I, I think I should know her. And it felt like a bad Winnipegger in that moment because yeah, Winnipeg is such like a little big town. And yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I should a know. a little big. bigger version little of big. Fredericton, basically. Really, actually. Yeah. Um, when I uh, When I first was moving to New Brunswick, people were like, Oh, New Brunswick is the Manitoba of the Atlantic provinces, so it you'll is. be fine. It completely is. Yeah, How isn't so? that the best How way? so? I've never been to Manitoba. So, so I find it very similar to Winnipeg and to Ottawa, actually, because okay. the whole city is built around a river. Yeah. And yeah, everybody's really friendly. And yeah, I find the communities. downtown of Fredericton very similar to like Osborne. Oh, yeah, uh, totally. Yeah. Totally. Hmm. Shout out to our Winnipeg listeners who uh, who knows Osborne. Everybody else, that means nothing, but that's okay. No. Yeah, sorry. sorry about that. <laughs> you get the idea. We're all good. Go visit Winnipeg. Yeah, go visit Winnipeg. I actually, actually want to. I never really just gotten the chance. So mm-hmm. yeah. I, I, It's worth the trip. Yeah. yeah. Actually, I know lots Steinbeck. of people. Steinbeck is worth the trip, says the license plate. <laughs> it's true. Um, that's I found when we got here. They're going, well, why did you move to the eastern provinces? And I said, huh, you even have the same mentality as anybody <laughs> in the province. Why would you want to come here? Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Well, uh, so Taylor, um, we're super happy to have you on today. We're going to be talking a bit about physical literacy, the multi-sport athlete, a uh, little bit about coaching, kind of that Gen Z uh, athlete. And um, yeah, so I, I guess my first question for you is, so as a kin graduate i'm not sure i'm not entirely sure i know what it means to be physically literate literate i mean i i get the being capable of lots of movements and and having a full range of abilities but what does it really mean to be physically literate it's a little complicated okay um it is a it started as a philosophy in europe actually and then it was brought into canada okay as a basically a health promotion and sport strategy. Okay. So they said, hey, look at this cool concept and philosophy. And this lady named Margaret Whitehead, if those who know her um, or know of her have uh, read her book before, basically they said, hey, she's got some cool ideas. And they kind of made it into its own definition. And it became a huge phenomenon in Canada around sport and physical activity. So the whole idea basically is that you want to have physical competence, which is the part that lots of people know. The other components, though, is the motivation and confidence, as well as knowledge. So do you know the rules? 
right? Or like, like do you know like, the strategy? Do you know the sport rules or yeah. do you know, okay. Yeah, so do you okay. know the sport rules? Um, do you have the knowledge to kind of work your way around the environment and adapt? And um, oh, okay. yeah, so, it's so a little more, t- it's a little more technical than just the physical competence. Okay, it's also- so I thought it just meant you can throw a ball well or you can run well or you know how to swim or that kind of stuff. Right. I didn't realize it was a... The actual technical side of sport as well. So right, yes, yeah. it's like wrapping up all you have to know to be able to play a sport. Or right, whatever. right, oh, yeah. And cool. so basically, they're saying that physical literacy is a foundation for sport and physical activity. So they're saying if you have some of the physical competencies that you can work on as you get older, right? If you have that foundation of fundamental movement skills that everybody knows about physical literacy, but you also have, hey, maybe I'm motivated to keep going. Maybe I'm confident to keep going, which you kind of get by trying different stuff and getting involved initially at a young, young age, and then having the knowledge behind the rules and strategies and how your body manipulates and having that body awareness, then you're going to be more comfortable going on and excelling um, or participating in sport. I can can see why it's so important then. Yeah. Yeah. I I love this because I... Um, as Colin and I have talked about before, like to me, this podcast is a really selfish way for me to get better as a coach and, and kind of let everyone come along for that journey as well. And yeah, I'm learning right now as well. So this is this is super cool to me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to let you keep going. But I have one question first. So is is physical literacy at all tied into the long term athlete development or are they kind of separate organizations? They are really closely linked, actually. So the first three stages of the long-term athletic development model, uh, or pathway, whatever you want to call it, um, are actually considered the physical literacy components. So that um, active start, Mm -hmm. fundamentals, and then the uh, train to train. Or sorry, learn learn to train. train, Learn to train. And um, three components are directly related to physical literacy. And I can talk a little more about that in a bit. Cool. This is all tying up with uh, everything I learned at university last year. Oh, really? Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, Colin, you uh, I, you were super pumped about this episode because yeah. you're just like, this is my jam, physical yeah. literacy. Yeah, because I had, I had a French presentation I had to do for university. And oh, that's okay. what I did it on just because uh, the class I took, I found it so amazing. It's so much, so much good information that mm-hmm. you can take away and use in your future yeah absolutely and and like i said it is directly related to sport and being able to excel in sport and being able to one i didn't mention prevent injury yeah yeah Um, for sure but it's not just that it's also for the everyday person who wants to just participate and get involved in physical activity in general yeah and the um whole kind of health promotion side of it is just trying to have people stay physically active um whether they're five or whether they're 50 or whether they're 95 yeah yeah cool Cool. so i'm gonna i'm gonna just like whatever questions pop into my head i'm just gonna derail this whole thing because i know i sent you questions ahead of time but i've got a million things rolling through my brain right now so um i'll do my best to answer them uh, yeah off on the fly this is this is what I do as I invite you into my podcast and I prepare you and then I scrap it all and then I test your real knowledge. All right, we'll see how I do. Um, so th- with those first three stages, um, uh, I kind of know them as being like four years old or even younger until like, I don't know, you're about 10 years old or mm-hmm. so. Is that the same for every sport or it, does it kind of shift up and down depending 
on the type of sport? Because I know like gymnastics, like if you don't start by the age of two, mm-hmm. you're going to have a really hard time being competitive and having those body movement awareness skills later on. Right. But there's sports like rowing where mm-hmm. a lot of athletes don't start until they're 11, 16, 21. Like they start quite late in their career. Right. So is is the fundamentals and the learn to train and the active start, like is that all age-based or is it more skill-based? The it basically thing, is like, is it too late for me to learn some things and, and get started? No, definitely not. So the big thing, um, the big reason that they're pushing the fundamental movement skills that everybody knows about at young ages is so that kids have an easier time learning or adults have an easier time learning later on. So if as long as you kind of have a little base of Uh, abilities, physical abilities at that younger age. Maybe it's through free play. Maybe it's through stuff you did with your parents or friends or whatever that may be. That fundamental movement skills kind of toolkit or toolbox that you already have gives you the ability to adapt those skills into new environments. So you're a big rower and swimmer. What were you thinking you wanted to try? Um, Well, I always thought I picked the wrong sports. I um I'm not an endurance athlete, but those were the ones I went to. I probably should have been like a bobsledder or like a sprinter or like a rugby player, but I have no hand-eye coordination. So I'm like, (laughs) is it too late for me to join like a women's rugby league like once or twice a week and and not die? Yeah, (laughs) Am I going to get crushed? I think as long as you kind of have a small base of skill level or something that you think you could apply to that situation, maybe you played soccer when you were four. You might be able to apply that to rugby, right? Right? Yeah. Shout um, out to Rugby NB. I know they're trying to recruit me right now, but I... Uh, funny, gonna... they were recruiting me too. <laughs> oh, I thought I was special. <laughs> Just kidding. Sorry. Both, both athletic girls, we can handle that. Yeah. But, um, awesome. Okay, that's But yeah, no, it exciting. really is kind of starting from a really, really young age, like zero to six and going, hey, let's try just free play. Let's go outside. Let's put them in a bunch of different environments and expose them, basically. Yeah, just and getting the as, best foundation possible. Yeah, yeah, getting the best foundation possible, maybe not in a structured setting, but just in a, hey, let's go explore. Let's go just try stuff. Let's yeah, just have fun. The, the earliest the kid can run well, yeah. the earliest he'll be able to play a sport where he needs to run. Yeah, right? so as long as people have a little bit of a foundation, they should be able to go into a new environment and say, hey, I want to give this a try, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, since we're kind of on that topic, uh, I think most people listening would agree with us that the more sports you can play at a younger age, the better adapted you're going to be later on, the more skills you're going to have, more body awareness. Um I think the the thing that a lot of parents and and athletes get stuck in as they get a bit older is they think um, I have to be super scheduled. I have to do a million things at once. Um, I know, like personally as uh, as a coach, I find frustration when um, my athletes are doing like six different sports at once and they're constantly missing practices because they have other commitments and mm-hmm. things are going on. Um, what are your thoughts on on kind of balancing doing lots of sports and building lots of movements, but also kind of having that commitment to the sports you're involved with. Okay. So I would if say... that question makes any sense. Yeah, no, <laughs> that makes sense. I would say like early on, I've had parents come up to me when I'm at like a community open house kind of thing or like Fred Kid Fair and go, my kid is two. What sports should I put them in? And I went, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> too early. <Yeah>. Too <laughs> early, guys. Um, so lots of sampling, 
initially, right? Just let them have fun. Yeah. Let them play. Yeah. Like you can throw the um, a soccer ball and let them kick it around. Yeah. But you don't need to throw them into organized sports right away. So fun fact, I, I have heard of a two-year-old rugby program. What? And I, when I first heard that, I'm like, what? Are they using the kid as the ball? Like, what's going <laughs> Basically. On? Accurate. Yeah. I don't even know they had rugby and, and balls. I, I think small. really it is. It's just... Um, them getting used to being on the field and running around. I think it's yeah, more of a gymnastics program. Because how do you expect else. a kid that young to follow structure, kid, right? Two like, early is learning to no, no. Um, points. He, like they, they have to just even learn. Even at four yeah. and five, you're picking daisies. Yeah, so. yeah. for sure. Yeah, for that sure. was me as a soccer player when I was four years old. <laughs> yeah, me too. A little clump following the ball around the field, and then the goalie picking flowers, and yeah, one yeah. kid on the side is just refusing to participate. And but yeah, I do think it soccer. is important for to get the kid like ready, like to like used to being on the field mm -hmm. but don't start a program at two yeah <laughs> no i'd wait it out a little bit yeah. so yeah ideally for parents you're looking at just really unorganized unstructured fun stuff initially mm -hmm. you can probably start introducing them to some things as they get a little bit older maybe five six things like that that is usually when programs are kind of getting into full swing and kids are interested in doing something a little bit mm -hmm. more organized and have a bit more of an attention span um to be able to actually listen to a coach which is pretty important yeah yeah totally um, i mean it does take some skill on a coach's behalf, but at the same time, you you got to have kids who are going to be able to listen a bit more. Yeah. But then, um, yes, we talk a lot about variety and we want kids to be exposed to everything. Mm -hmm. And that can get a little bit overwhelming, especially mm -hmm. if you are a really busy parent. Um, but the idea is, you know what? Sports have seasons and we want to try and stick to that. We don't want to be in a situation where a seven-year-old is already doing hockey year-round. We want to make sure that they still have the opportunities to sample sports in different seasons. So maybe they do hockey in the winter, but then they do soccer in the spring and summer. And that is a great tie-in. They're learning different skills in different environments. But they are kind of related sports. Like but they are hand -eye very coordination related. And like team plays and absolutely, things like that. Absolutely. The same thing with like um, with rowing in the summer and, and cross-country ski or biathlon in the mm. winter. It's I think it's really key that if um, an athlete wants to uh wants to perform at a certain point they still can perform in in many different sports you don't have to be a single sport athlete um at a high level but you have to realize that at some point to be a high level athlete you have to make a commitment to the program and to your coach and to your team and to your training program and all of that and it that can't happen if you're if you've got a million different commitments that are pulling you all around the city, right? There's only so much time in the day. Absolutely. And I think lots of the provincial sport organizations and coaches are getting pressure from parents saying, like, we want this all year round. We And they are getting pressure from some of their boards sometimes to do more, right? right? But they also want to do what's best for the kids. And you do hear that sometimes from coaches. They're going, you know what? I think this is too much. Um, so... Just making sure that coaches and PSOs and parents are aware of the idea of sampling and the idea of multi-sport and working within your season and then allowing kids to have a break, have some free time, and then to be able to try other stuff. It yeah, is really important for that's their why development. Any, that's why NHL players play golf in the summer. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess that's one thing, especially from a like a program coordinators point of view or an, or an administrative point of view uh people would be 
thinking like, oh, if I run a year-round program, that's way more revenue coming in for me and I have more participants and Absolutely. I'm growing my sport and all this great stuff. How how do I sell it to um, the provincial sport executive director, director or our club's manager or, or whatever the case is that um, letting our athletes do other sports and other points of the year is actually going to be good for our sport and good for our team? Okay, so there is a brand new strategy out. So a bunch of the national sport organizations in Canada came to go team came together and said, "Hey, we all want to work together and talk a little bit about how all of these elite athletes that we know about in Canada and other countries all played multiple sports." Um, so they made a awesome social media campaign talking about all the ways that multi-sport can actually make you a better athlete and can prevent injuries and dropout and burnout and all those words that you really don't want to hear as a PSO or coach. So yeah. the idea is that, you know what, we need to give these kids not not only physical breaks, but also mental breaks, because going hard all the time is exhausting. And as a kid, you're not prepared for that physically or mentally. Yep, totally. So, I, I think in my own athletic career, I swam for 11 years, was totally burnt out of it by the end, switched over into rowing as a new sport and really just kind of prolonged my, my burnout for another four years or right. so. But um, I... There was a point maybe when I was 15 that I, I chose swimming as my full-time sport and didn't play any more school sports. And it is kind of a sad thing because I think about some really fun teams that I missed out on with some mm. of my classmates. Um, not that I regret my time in the pool, but it like I just remember in June or July finishing my last swim meet and being so done for the year. Yeah. Needing my like month and a half, two months off to recoup, lie on the couch for a whole summer, uh, lie at the beach, whatever, do something else. Um and yeah, that, that, that burnout part is, is so prevalent, I think, in a lot of athletes' career. I, I would bet you that most athletes leave sport either because of injury mm-hmm. or burnout, mm-hmm. um, just because they feel like if I'm not going full tilt, I, I shouldn't be going at all. And I really like your point about um, more unstructured play and just getting outside or mm-hmm. even inside and, and just moving around. Mm-hmm. I find sometimes a lot of athletes have a hard time returning to sport just as like a... Yeah. a non-athletes right. to just work out again because they have such high expectations of what they used to do and yeah, absolutely. Um, and then they don't really know how to move unless a coach is telling them and it's right that yeah. thing of like they don't know how to train anymore yeah that's mm-hmm. why changing things up always always helps right mm-hmm. you learn different things from different sports it's important to yeah. get all those values from the different Absolutely. And it's also really good for those early specialization sports. I mean, we can't avoid it. There definitely are some that require you to specialize early. Things like swimming and gymnastics, right? But the idea is that if you're physically literate, if you have some opportunities and experiences early on to sample a little bit, at least before you go competitive, that even though you may be done at whatever age you're at, 15, 16, 17, whatever it may be, you're kind of off-ramping on that sport, but you have the opportunity to try out something else, kind of like you did with rowing. Mm -hmm. And it gives you opportunities to kind of find a new thing. 
There's nothing that makes me sadder than uh, seeing an athlete who's 15 or 16 or 17 years old who says, you know, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. I'm out of sport. And thinking like, out of sport, you're just starting. Like, this is literally just the starting of your athletic career. Yeah, there's um, so much more you can do. There's so yeah. much more you can I, do. I actually had a cousin that was like about <laughs> to play in the, in the Q, in the Q League for Moncton. Mm -hmm. And he went to like the tryouts and everything. And he was pretty probably going to make the team. And he just decided, no, I'm done with hockey. I don't want to play hockey anymore. Absolutely. So, so now he just doesn't play sports. Yeah, I know a few people that got injured early on, got pushed up age groups because yeah. they were good, got hurt because they were too small, mm -hmm. and then they didn't really find something else, which is sad. So I think, yeah, being able to have a little bit of a foundation to go off of and then have the confidence to go into a new environment and say, hey, I think I want to try this. I could be really good at it. I might suck initially, but... I'm going to learn. Yeah. Right. Can I take us on another like 45 second tangent? Sure. <laughs> um, just when you're talking about size there, it made me think of something. Have you guys heard of biobanding? Mm, tiny no. bit. This is, a little bit. So this is um, something I've just heard about recently. It's basically uh, redesigning sport programs to uh, put athletes in terms or, or group athletes uh, and teams together in terms of size and their, physi the, uh, development the, their physical age. development oh. yeah, yeah. And instead of their actual chronological age. Okay. Um, and it's, it's a little bit hard because there's like, like a few like calculations you have to do, including like your parents' height, your age. Mm -hmm. They try and guess where you are in terms of your, your stages of puberty or your peak, um, uh, peak development or your, um, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Oh. The, the max velocity height development come oh, on yeah Kin I know what come back to me i was gonna say i know what you're talking about the chart right the chart the yeah. chart everybody <laughs> knows the chart. chart everybody knows what we're talking about um and and rather than saying um because often it's those kids who develop really early mm -hmm. who uh who are really big who get chosen as oh you're really fast you're really strong you're gonna be a great soccer player you're gonna be mm -hmm. a great whatever player um, and then it's that kid who has the late development that is already kind of that's just a little bit behind the mark, not because of um, uh, because of his size, but because he was just playing with the wrong sized athletes, if that makes sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. no, absolutely. Um, that, that's an interesting what, concept. What do you guys think about that? I know it would require like a huge overhaul of like how sports are organized yeah, in general it's, in it's Canada. An, it's an interest, interesting concept. Um, we just I think the thing we'd have to do with that, though, is just go on like a trial run see how it goes because yeah. like you can't just switch up everything and expect it to go well right, right. so like right. i think it could work but we'd have to at least try it first because like what i'm thinking is uh skills are not a factor in that in that right it's just yeah. like physically right mm -hmm. so if yeah. there's if there's one guy that's amazing at the sport and he's playing with people that are not at his skill level, mm -hmm. that's still creating conflict, right? Right. And I, it's definitely something that would take like a three or four year turnover to really affect yeah, any change yeah. and, and be working well. Does maturity, like like mentally? Oh, yeah, that totally yeah, that's, into it. Yeah, so okay. um, just because you have a 13-year-old who's really physically developed and they could be playing with 17 or 18-year-olds, is that really appropriate? And that is a good spot for them. I know we're getting yeah. way off on the left. <laughs> no, no, this is interesting. But, yeah. but yes, yeah. no, I personally think that implementing that could be really interesting because I think ooh, a couple years ago, I had read a stat, I believe it was, that said that if you were born in the first six months of the year, mm -hmm. you're more likely to become an elite athlete. Yeah. And that's all because of 
kind of where you're at. Age cutoffs and Age like cutoffs. events and, and yeah. groups. Totally. Yeah, I was born so, in February, so mm-hmm. I am an elite athlete. January. <laughs> Same. <laughs> yeah. Right. So we got on the uh, good side of the year. But yeah. for those who maybe were born in November, they had a little bit of a disadvantage because They're they inferior. weren't as developed in kidding. that same age group <laughs> category, right? Or so, we could just say, parents, make sure you plan when your child is going to be born. <laughs> Play it smart. Aim for February. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, aim for the uh, beginning of the year. Aim for the beginning of the year if you want your kid to be good at sports. Yeah, <laughs> that's not what we're saying. But no. Uh, so yeah, I think I think if done properly, then building programs around developmental age could be really, really good. Um, it could make kids more comfortable in their environment as well. Because if they're feeling like a small fry against all of these (laughs) other (laughs) against all of these other players, they're not gonna feel comfortable and ready to play, right? They're not gonna be motivated. And if they are motivated, we could like be bringing out the athlete and some people and like discover new talents yeah absolutely yeah, yeah absolutely and we want to try and keep all those people involved right because mm-hmm. they could bloom a little later on and be awesome yeah 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 hmm. uh, okay i'm gonna bring us back onto onto the the track that we started right. down i'm Fine. sorry for bringing us out um so let's talk a little bit about new brunswick Phy- physical literacy and the coalition uh taylor and i sit on a uh, a committee together a coalition as you would mm-hmm. um uh, so I came onto that uh, about six months ago, um, and I, to be honest, I wasn't really sure what was going on when we first started. But I think, like, I, I get now, like, the whole point of the the network. But if you could explain to everybody else what what the deal is, that would be awesome. Oh, okay, awesome. So to clarify, I only came on about seven months ago. <laughs> so uh, I think at that time I was still figuring out what I was doing as well. Obviously, um, just kind of getting to know the group and wrangling everybody together and asking lots of questions because I had to learn what was going on because these people were basically steering me in whatever direction that we needed to go to improve physical literacy in New Brunswick. So basically this coalition is a big group of stakeholders in New Brunswick coming together to a table and deciding what kind of efforts or promotion or initiatives, projects, all that good stuff that we want to do to try and help improve the physical literacy of New Brunswickers, whether it's sport specific and we're steering towards athletes or whether it's the everyday person that maybe has never been involved in sport and we want to encourage and get them involved. So the coalition is made up of a whole bunch of partners. Uh, some of them I can chat about a little bit. So Sport New Brunswick uh, is where I'm based out of currently. And then obviously you and uh, Mano are coming in with the coach background, which is awesome. Go coach. Yeah, (laughs) Coach New Brunswick. Uh, We have Recreation New Brunswick on our coalition as well. They're awesome because they delve into more of the grassroots stuff, more into the early early years, active start stuff. Um, So they have a really good base of knowledge there. And uh, then we have Fitness New Brunswick, who has their own kind of spin on it, which Mm -hmm. is awesome. And looking at fitness leaders and developing physical literacy maybe a little bit later on in life which is cool and then we have parasport as well so looking at athletes that may have a disability and what does their entire physical literacy journey or ltad model look like and that's probably a little later on 
as well, right? So yeah, that's so cool. That that's um, I know you're. That's not even that's like half the list of the all the yeah party members. But I I think it's so cool that it's so well rounded and it's touching so mm-hmm. many aspects of like sport and wellness and recreation. Yeah. And, we're um, getting on board with education yeah. and the whole bit. That's so. awesome. That's huge. Yeah. yeah so we're first, trying to hit. It's the first time I hear about it and I think it's very interesting. I like it. Yeah. yeah so yeah. we're trying to kind of tick all the boxes of all the people we think should be at the table because they're saying, hey, physical literacy isn't just for kids. It's also for adults. It's also for older adults. Yeah. We need more than one point of view. We need more than one point yeah. of view. We need everybody at the table to try and get involved. And uh, yeah, it's a weird kind of topic to wrap your head around, but once you kind of get it, you're like, hey, I see how this is relevant. Yeah, this is awesome, yeah. Colin, kind of on what you were saying, so um, for people who are looking for more information, like where can we go to like learn about physical literacy or find resources or all that good stuff? Oh, okay. So um, some of the awesome places that I like going or um, that I encourage others to go to look for resources is um, our website, obviously. Yeah, we got a whole new website, guys. <laughs> yeah, we're going for a whole new website. We're going to try and have all things physical literacy related in one spot. And if I'm missing something, feel free to reach out because I can only do so much Googling and reading <laughs> in one shot. But um, yeah, we're hoping to have everything kind of wrapped up there. Um, but then looking at LTAD models and what does a specific sport look like? Because that's really important for coaches. So reaching out to either your PSOs or national sport organizations and figuring out what your particular model looks like or how physical literacy fits in for your program um, would be really, really beneficial. It seems like a really big task. I'm glad that there's someone like (laughs) dedicated to working on this because if it was just on the side corner of someone's desk, Mm -hmm. I'm not sure how far this would get pushed along. This is awesome. I'm assuming that's why I have a job. Yeah. So (laughs) I think I'm pretty busy. Yeah, for sure. I think I'm pretty busy. Um, The other one I wanted to mention is just training opportunities for coaches. Um, So Ashley hasn't mentioned this yet, so I'm going to put a little plug. Yeah, go for Um, it. Ashley with Coach New Brunswick, myself, and then Peter Morrison with Recreation New Brunswick. Hey, Peter. Hi, Peter. Offer a training opportunity uh, that we have named Superhero Training because it allows you to be superheroes to a bunch of awesome kids. The name is super cheesy, but I absolutely love it. It's super cheesy. (laughs) Anyways. I think think it works, though. Yeah, yeah, right? I thought it was cool. You get to wear capes at the end. You get capes capes at the end. You should do it just for the capes, (laughs) honestly. It's fun. But um, basically, the bread and butter of it is we teach you how to teach fundamental movement skills to kids in fun, awesome games and drills and activities. And... Recreation New Brunswick comes in and offers a program called High Five. If you don't know what that is, it's completely around healthy child development, and it's all about safe spaces, fun spaces, and how to be an awesome leader for these kids and a great caring adult is the term they use. All good and important stuff. All good and super important stuff, especially for that first introductory um, session for new people coming in and going, hey, I wanted to try this. I'm showing up Um, to have that really good initial reaction from them and go like, hey, that was so much fun. This was so cool. I want to come back. Super, super important. So uh, really cool opportunity. And then uh, myself or one of the physical literacy facilitators does a cool wrap up. We tie everything together. We play some more games. I take 
funny pictures of people wearing capes. Oh, you got to have funny pictures of capes. <laughs> right. People are in it for the selfies. That's absolutely. what it's about. Yeah. Absolutely. So yeah, it's a long day. Be a coach day. to take a selfie. That's what we're saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A new so, slogan. Yeah, it's a long day of training, but it's uh, really great information. Even if you already have the basis of knowledge, it's a super good reminder. And then you get awesome PD points and a hilarious picture at the end. Amazing. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Well, Taylor, thank you so much for coming in today. Um, so much. I learned so much today about physical literacy. Yeah, that I, I feel also, like I probably yeah. should have known already. <laughs> but thank you for reminding me or uh, catching me up. No problem. So that's it for today's episode. You're listening to Coach NB podcast. Uh, I'm going to do a better outro next time, I promise. <laughs> um, but uh, that's it for today. Get to practice. We'll see you in two weeks. See ya. Thanks.